Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Y'all doing good? Good. I turned 34 this week, and so I feel, sometimes feel too young to be doing what I get to do, but I know it was the Lord's idea, it wasn't mine, so, you know, Jesus, he started his ministry when he was 30, and we planned a church when we were, I was 30, so I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm not Jesus, but I'm just walking with him, just trying to be like him, you know, so... Well, I'm glad I've been looking forward to this all week, and yeah. Um, This week I was, uh, I felt like the Lord brought to my mind scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 that talks about seeking the Lord. I'm going to give you that scripture in just a minute, and but today I want to talk about the reward of diligently seeking. So say that with me. Say the reward of diligently seeking. Um, let me give you this verse, and then we're actually going to come back to the, the chapter, but Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. He just lays it out for you. It's like, hey, it's impossible. Got to have faith. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, because anyone who comes to him must believe, one, that he exists, And two, that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So, if you're seeking for something and you find that thing, what is your reward? It's whatever that thing is, right? And so, if he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, if you are seeking him, what is the reward? It's him. It's him. He is the reward. He is the one we're seeking, and he is the reward. You know you're awesome whenever the, you, you are the reward. He is the reward. He's like, hey, I've got a prize for you. It's me. <laughs> you win. Um, I think if one of us did that to somebody, like, hey, your reward is me, people would be like, hold up. But if it's him, it's good. What better reward? And so we get that reward by seeking him. And so today I want to talk to us about seeking him. What does that look like? You know, we've talked, we talk a lot. Last week I I talked about being a people of his presence. And that is that we are seeking him, right? It's that we are coming. We are coming to the table of the Lord to say, Lord, what do you have today? You know, he is our daily bread. Jesus said, that he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that continually comes out of the mouth of God. He was saying, he was saying, I need the continual word of the father in my life. And so us seeking him is that we are actually saying that the most important thing in our life is the continual word of God. God, the the thing I can't live without is the word that you want to speak to me every day. It is the thing that will sustain you. It is the thing that causes you to be who you really are. It is the thing that causes you to know him. It is, I, I know, 
a lot of people who know the Word of God really well, I think I said this last week, but they don't necessarily know the author. They have been reading words on a page, but they have not been illuminated to them by the Holy Spirit. And so your relationship with Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God, who is available to you freely, it is the, the Father's good pleasure to give you His Holy Spirit. He is the most important person in your walk. I'd, I'd venture to say is that um, you cannot live the life of the believer without relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that is, should not be a heavy thing for you. Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper. He's a helper. He said, I'm sending you the one who's going to, the spirit of truth, who's going to lead you into what? Into all truth. So he is like your friend and your helper and the one who says, I want to show you who Jesus is and I want to show you who you really are in him. And so I think that that's why we should not only teach and talk about him a lot, is we should actually exercise relationship with him. We should actually come to the table and say, Holy Spirit, I don't necessarily even know what this looks like, but I just need to learn. I need to learn how to walk with you, right? And so I want to talk about that, seeking him. I, uh, I don't even know how relevant this is, but um, it has to do with seeking. And I, I was reminded of this this week. Um, it was Easter years ago. I was in high school, and we were doing an Easter egg hunt. Okay? And um, the way my family used to do it is they would have a bunch of eggs that has, you know, candy, or there would be a bunch of, like, coins in them. Okay, and, and as a kid, you're like, man, if I can get all the money coins, even though it's just loose change, it's going to add up. And except there was a golden egg and a silver egg, and the golden egg would have 10 bucks in it, and the silver egg would have $5. Some of you are getting ideas for your kids for Easter <laughs> right now. With inflation, you should probably bump that up to like 20 and 10, parents. And so, um, <clears throat> so... It's been a little while. So um, this one Easter, my aunt was in charge of hiding the, um, the golden egg. And I remember we found every egg. There was nothing left but the golden egg. And we were outside for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes just searching for this egg. And I was getting very discouraged and very angry at my aunt, to be honest. Like, you, you just pocketed the money. I know it. That egg is probably in your purse. And um, no lie, I was in high school. I stopped in my, it was at my grandparents' house. I stopped in the backyard, and I just looked around, and I told myself, what out here reminds me of my aunt? This is going to sound so bad. Um, I, I was looking... And leaning up against the house, there was this, like, old dirty mop <laughs> just leaning. And, and it's not that I think that of her. It's just I think this is something she would do. And, um, and I looked, and I was like, that egg. I just knew. I saw the mop, and I said, the, mop, the, the egg is in the mop. It's in the, the stuff. And, um, and I just went over and pulled the egg out. And... Everybody was looking at me like, what, did, what, what, what just happened here? And I was like, I just had to stop, take a look around, and think about who my aunt was. <laughs> and so I got 10 bucks. But I believe in our seeking, in seeking the Lord, sometimes 
we need to stop, think about who he is, remind ourselves who he is, and say, okay, Lord, you're good. So I can settle my heart. What do you want to give me today? What do you want to release to me? You are my, you have the words of life. I love Jesus. He was with his disciples, and he, he, he's actually with, was with a bunch of people, and he's um, you know, he's, his ministry's rocking and, you know, he's got all these people around and in Jesus fashion, he says, hey guys, I need to let y'all know something. Unless you uh, drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. And everybody's like, huh? What? And it says that almost everybody except his disciples leave. And then Jesus, he looks at him and says, hey, you going to leave too? And Peter, he looks at him and says, Lord, where do we have to go? You have the words of life. They didn't understand what he meant yet, but they understood this one thing. You have the words of life. You've got the words of life. And I believe his his word, his word, him speaking to you, him showing you who he is, is the most vital thing for your life. It's the most vital thing. You need it every day. You can't live on yesterday's word. It was good. It was good, but you need him today. You need him right now. You can't live tomorrow on what I'm telling you today. You need for yourself to hear the words of life. Why? Because maybe he'll tell you something that you don't quite understand. And your response might be like, Lord, that's too hard. I don't understand that, and I'm going to walk away. But the disciples, because they had been walking with him and seeking him diligently... They said, we don't quite understand it, but we're sticking around because you've got the words of life. It is the daily feasting on him. It is the daily, he's created a table for you. He, his, his reason for making you and me was to have communion with us. It was to be with us. It was for relationship. He wasn't, it wasn't just like, um, he wasn't just, it, it wasn't like a science experiment, like, hey, we're gonna do this thing and see what happens. He was very intentional with you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And, he, and, and I understand this for everybody in the room is that you might be like, well, I'm a mess. I've got my stuff if you knew me. Well, he knows you. And, and this is what he's done. He's canceled all of the, the negative things that could separate you and him so that you could freely, even on your worst day, you could go and be with him and you could allow him to iron out all the wrinkles. You could allow his leadership, even when you are a mess, you allow him to say, Lord, I'm a mess, I need you to work this out. And it's what he does, it's his good pleasure. His desire is that you would diligently seek him so he can reward you with himself. And that reward, what it looks like when he gives you himself, he is empowering you to be like him. So he's not just saying, hey, this is me. He's actually saying, hey, I'm showing you me because you were created in my image and I'm empowering you to become like me. So that is how he is ironing out the wrinkles in your life. A lot of us, we feel like we have to iron it out before we can come to him. Instead, he's saying, diligently seeking me is every day on your best day, on your worst day, everything in between. Come to me, be with me, let me show you myself and the reward is myself and the reward is ultimately that you become like me. Amen? That's how he works. Salvation was his, his thing that he did. 
sanctification is what he does. He didn't just go to the cross and die and say, okay, I, 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 and die, rose again. He said, hey, I paid the penalty for your sin. Now you need to go and be good now. He's, what he actually did was he tore the veil. Yes, he paid for your sin. He did. But he also, he gave you an inheritance. He gave you his Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what? I am supplying everything you need daily, every day for you to become who I've made you to be. That's what I'm doing every day. I'm the great supplier. I'm the initiator. You're not initiating it. We didn't somehow decide, hey, we're coming to church today. And so we initiated this meeting. We did not initiate this meeting. God initiated this meeting. And every morning that you wake up and every evening and all day, he is initiating saying, come and be with me. Come and be with me. Come. And out of our coming and learning of him, we become who we're supposed to be. It's the natural fruit of our lives comes out of that. It's not running around like, oh, I got to do this, this, it's all for him. And so, um, so seeking, seeking him, it's important. Seeking him out and agreeing with what he thinks is the way of life for the believer. It is the continual, Lord, change the way I think. When Jesus came, what did he come preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. It's here. What was he saying? Repent means change the way you think. What he was really saying was, hey, allow the kingdom of God to change the way you think. Like you need to allow your mind to be shaped into how God thinks. Like the way you've been thinking has been all wrong. And I think sometimes our first step in seeking him has to be acknowledging that we need our mind changed. Lord, you know, look, I want to say this is every one of us has history, okay? You, you have a story. How many of you have a story? If I sat down with you and said, hey, tell me your story, you have something, okay? Some of you in that, all of us in that story, we've got really good moments, and we've got some probably pretty messed up moments. And whether, and I believe this is that for many of you, for, for some of us in the room is that, uh, the Lord has healed so much of those messed up things, right? Who's thankful that he healed a lot of your mess ups, right? Um, but I found this, is that in my life, though when I was saved and as I began walking with the Lord, there were certain things that the Lord did immediately in my life. But there have been things that over time the Lord has said, hey, when that happened to you as a kid, and it caused you to think like this, you're still carrying that. And he said, I wanna come and show you myself in a way that heals that. And a lot of times we wanna blame everything in life, all the things happening for how we feel about everything and why does this keep happening? And the truth is a lot of times is we have just stuff because of what happened to us that we have a wrong lens of seeing life. We have hurts and things that we're carrying and, the, and the, the Lord is not absent from those things. He is not sitting back saying, hey, would you just get better and do that? I believe it's in all the little details of your life that he wants to come and he wants to, he wants to breathe life on it. He wants to give you a right lens, a right way to see things. And so I believe there's a part of seeking him that is in the little things in your, the, the things in your life that, 
um, you're like, well, I, I, this, this is a mess up in my life. This is a hang up. This is a hurt I have. Is that the Lord is wanting you to come and to allow him to straighten that path. He's wanting to come and he's, and this is the deal. You know, David, he, he was, um, after he had committed adultery and he had um, slept with Bathsheba and out of that came Solomon. When he, when he fell into sin, he wrote a psalm to the Lord. And in that psalm, he was saying, Lord, restore me a clean heart. And what he was really saying, the, the best way it can be said is what he was saying is, Lord, give me a brand new heart. He was like, I need a new heart. I need a heart that's from you. He was saying, there's nothing inside of me that can make this heart good. I need a good heart that's from you. I need a right heart. Renew in me a right spirit. So the Lord, what he wants to do is he doesn't want you to just try and figure it all out. He wants you to come to him and say, and seek him diligently and say, Lord, what is truth in my life? He wants to dig in the deep things of your life the deep places that make you feel less than, that make you live in constant fear, the things that cause you to shut down in life and to shut people out. He wants to actually come and touch those things and say, hey, I want you to be full of joy and peace, kindness. I want you to have a life that even though there might be hard things you go through is that you can walk through life and be whole and healthy. Amen. How many of you want that life? You want to be full of peace and joy. You want to feel the, the Lord wants that for you part, but it is a process. And in the only process where that actually, where we get it right is by seeking him and by letting him do it. We need to see him. Amen. All right. Let's see where we're going to go. So we are seeking his kingdom, his way of doing things. Um, I want us to do this. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 16. All right, y'all there? Awesome. Awesome. If not, it's on the screen, so. All right. Is that, what, yeah, go to verse 16 for me. All right, I'll just start in 16. If you don't have your Bibles, well, um, joking. When you fast, don't look gloomy and pretend to be spiritual. They want everyone to know they're fasting, so they appear in public looking miserable and disheveled. Believe me, they've already received their reward. Remember that, reward. We're talking about, we've been talking about a reward, right? Then it goes on to say, when you fast, don't let it be obvious, but instead wash your face and groom yourself and realize that your father in the secret place is the one who is watching all that you do in secret and will continue to reward you. We're going to keep going in just a second. I want to say this, <clears throat> a little teaching moment about fasting. Fasting is this. It's not just some religious thing we do. Fasting is putting an emphasis on the unseen. It's, putting, it's saying, I am valuing what is unseen over what is seen. That's what fasting is. It's saying, I'm taking a moment where I want to put all my attention on what is unseen. What are we seeking? We're seeking the unseen God. 
That's why in Hebrews 11, which we're going to go to next, it talks about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Okay, so our seeking is we're seeking something unseen. That's why we need faith. That's what faith is, is it lets you know, oh, I know who he is. I don't see him, but I believe him. I've seen the work of his hands, even though I haven't seen his face. I believe him. I felt him. I felt his love and his presence. And so I'm going to keep seeking him. I'm going to keep seeking the unseen. You see, the Lord desires to reveal his ways to you and his presence and his nature to you. Even though you aren't seeing God in the natural, he is a spiritual God. He is, he is the unseen God, but is who we have faith in. And so our seeking is we are seeking the unseen. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. All right, so let me, let me give you some... Uh, this, this, as we keep going in Matthew, you'll see this clearly. In 19, Jesus moves on from talking about fasting, but it's all in the same thought and idea. He says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as a treasure. Whatever you value is what your heart pursues. Then it goes on to say, the eyes of your spirit, so that we're talking about the unseen right here, the eyes of your spirit, allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in, but if your eyes are focused on money, and when he's talking about money here, he is talking about money, but he is talking about the scene. He is talking about the things that a lot of times we are trying to, oh, I got to get this, got to get this. All the things that are in front of me that I'm putting more value on the scene than the unseen. Okay? Then it goes on to say, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will the darkness, will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. So what he's saying this, you notice there it didn't say while enslaved to money. It said while being enslaved to the God of money. It is the God of the scene. It is the I have placed a higher value on what I can see and what is tangible right here instead of on what God says. Right? And I believe the Lord wants to change our thinking as we seek him to say, wait, let me tell you, what you see here in this building, the Christmas trees, stage lights, all, all this stuff, it is real and tangible, right? But there is a higher reality, and it's unseen. Everything that was created was birthed out of the Spirit. Are you all with me here? Is that, is that we don't see God but all of creation speaks to him. That's why in Romans, it talks about that as hum humanity, we have no excuse not to believe him. It's because we can see through creation, his nature. That what we see here is only supposed to testify of his greatness. What we see here should make us say, man, I've got to dig deeper into the thing that is unseen that is responsible for what is seen. When you see, 
go to the mountains or whatever. Maybe you like, I don't know if you're a beach person or a mountain person. I'm both. I love it all. But you see a beautiful picture of landscape, right? And you're like, this is amazing. It speaks to him. It speaks to him. The Bible talks about throughout Psalms, you talk about that all creation is worshiping him. It's magnifying him. When we see each other, it should be, I'm looking for the Lord in you. I'm looking for the Lord in you. I'm looking for the expression of God in your life so I can rejoice in that. Right? Each one of you, whether you know it or not, as you seek him and he's revealed in your life, you become an expression of God in the earth. And do you know that you get to actually impart who God has made you to be? What he has deposited of himself in you, you get to impart that to the earth. You impart a part of the Lord that nobody else gets to impart. It's good news. You're, you're not a nobody. We need you. We need, we need you to seek him out so that he can reward you and so that we can taste of that reward. That's what the body is. Man, you were seeking and you were rewarded with him and that became alive in you. And then we got around you and said, oh, you know, when, when I don't know who, if, if you were or weren't here last week, but Carl got up here and he's saying, Carl's over here. And um, you, know what, you know what happened in the room is Carl imparted what the Lord had deposited in him to you. That's why so many people are like, man, who, who is that guy? And what, is, what, what was that? is he imparted something that only he could impart because the Lord deposited something in him. Each one of you can do that. Maybe you're not a singer. Some of you, we don't want you to come sing. It wouldn't be good. We don't want that impartation. <laughs> but some of you, who you are, who you are, the, the way that you worship before the Lord, the way you give yourself to him completely, the way that you are full of wisdom, the way that you hug people, I don't, whatever it is, you are imparting something. The way Travis claps first before everybody else. That's right. <laughs> he starts it. Love it. All right, let me keep going. This is what Jesus says in verse 25. He said, this is why I tell you never to be worried about your life. That seems like for probably some of us that we're like, okay, that's impossible. Don't worry about my life. Do you know my life? Do you know all the different pieces of my life? Do you know my kids? You know, um, but he's saying this, he said, this is why I'm telling you, don't be worried about your life for all that you need will be provided. Jesus doesn't lie. So if he said right here, for all that you need will be provided, None of you are going to be with, without. <clears throat> He's already determined in his heart to take care of you. The only way that you wouldn't be taken care of is because you decided not to receive what he has for you. Um, he says, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? <clears throat> Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they? So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? That is such a huge statement. What has your worry ever added to your life? Worry does not have the power to add to your life. It doesn't have, there, there is nothing prosperous about worry. 
right? Worry is whenever you take responsibility for that which is the Lord's. That's worry. Worry is whenever you begin to put in your hands what God never put in your hands. You see, God is, he's very generous, but he gives you freedom. If you want to take it upon you, he says, okay, I don't, I don't want you to, but he lets you. And so, if it's heavy, Jesus said this, he said, come to me, all you who are heavy, weary, burdened, come to me, and I'll give you rest. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if it's heavy, he probably didn't give it to you. Actually, he definitely didn't give it to you. There's a difference between heavy and hard. Just because something is hard doesn't mean it's heavy. Heavy is whenever your spirit becomes heavy. When you actually, it, heaviness actually produces fear, worry, it's you're carrying something. Something that's hard is that the Lord anoints you to deal with the hard stuff. He anoints you to do it. He says, you're gonna take the easy yoke that I've given you and you're gonna be able to push through all the stuff that life gives. Heaviness is what you carrying what you aren't supposed to carry. Hard is just something that the Lord's gonna anoint you to push through, okay? And he'll show you which one is which. But if it's producing fear and worry, anxiety, doubt, you might need to reassess and say, am I, am I carrying something the Lord has not given me, okay? All right, let me find out where I was. Okay, and why should you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. <clears throat> and yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide you the clothes you need, you of little faith? So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For this is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? 33, which is, this is taking it home for us right here in this passage. He says, so above all, say above all. Constantly seek God's kingdom. Constantly seek God's way. Constantly wake up and say, God, what are you saying today? What are you doing today? What are you thinking about today? What's your daily word? What do, what's your word of life for me? Constantly seek that. Constantly. His kingdom and his righteousness. Lord, what is, what is your right? What, what does your righteousness say? It's, it's, some of you need to learn to put your opinion on the altar. Your opinion about people, your opinion about whatever, fill in the blank. It's all relevant. We want his opinion. That's the kingdom, his opinion, his way of doing things. Lord, what do you think? Good way of you carrying, look, the Lord's opinion will never lead you into fear or worry. Your opinion will lead you into, what, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen in the world? This is how, Lord, what do you think? What are you saying? Because you reign. And I believe Jesus would be like, here's my opinion. I'm coming back. And I'm, I, I reign. I, it was, everything was created for me, by me, and through me.
His opinion is this, is that it's all under my feet. I reign. I know you're, he's saying this, you're, you're being consumed with the seen. He's saying, but I Lord in the unseen, which Lords over the scene. So we need the unseen opinion. Some of you have been living in the world of the scene and you've allowed it to consume you. And that is not where the Lord has you. It's not what he has. It's not the best. It's a reality, but it's not the highest reality. It's something, but it's weak. Okay? It's passing away. It's fading. He's not. He's eternal. So we have to begin to tap into eternity. All the things that, look, there are things obviously that we will give ourselves to that are in the scene. We, there are things that we are giving, that I know that I give myself to every day that are fading away, okay? It's very obvious like for all of us that you hit a certain point in your life and you realize my body's kind of fading, like there, some, this isn't going the direction I'd like it to go, right? Things start hurting and you're like, you know, I, we, said this before, I'm coaching my kids' football team, and we had a really close game the other night, and I was just hopping around the field. And once everything died down, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I, I'm hurting everywhere. And um, you just realize, man, that, you know, there are certain things that are fading away. And some of us, we put so much energy. I'm saying that Paul said this, he said, physical exercise is beneficial, but spiritual exercise is much more beneficial. He was saying, look, work out, do it, stay healthy, great. But don't give yourself to that and forsake the thing that really matters. Okay? Is that don't, don't focus so much. If, if I think, what if we woke up every day and before we thought about what I'm going to eat for breakfast, we thought about what am I going to feed my soul today? What am I going to feed my spirit? What am I feeding on? Right? It's just that he wants to change the way we think. And there's something about when we seek first him, which is about to be this next part that I read, everything else falls into order. The seen things begin to say, whoop, we've got to line up. We better get in order because this one has been seeking first the unseen. This one has, this person has been seeking first the, the unseen things that are in charge. So we better obey. We better get in line. Amen. So it says, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So the less important things, the fading things, they come naturally as a result of putting an emphasis on the spiritual things. All right. Y'all receiving something today? So 34 wraps it up with this. He says, and I think this is key for us. Some of you, you need to get this in your spirit. It says, refuse, say refuse. Some of you need to refuse. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Refuse. You ever refuse something before? Ever said like, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. I'm not tasting that. Don't put that on my plate. I refuse. Some of you need to say, the moment that you could start worrying, you say, I refuse. I refuse. What does refusal look like? It looks like seeking the unseen. I'm refusing because I, I don't know how to just naturally not do that to worry about that, but I do know how to go before the Lord. I do know how to go before him and say, Lord, I need your daily bread. 
I need you to be my, my, my life. I need your opinion. I need to seek you. What do you say? And let me say this kind of as a side note. Allow your time with the Lord to be 10% talking and 90% listening. Learn to listen. Learn to say, ask a question. Say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? And then just sit and wait. He, he, and that it's how you learn to hear him. You learn what he sounds like. And don't be discouraged. If you don't hear anything, just keep coming to the meeting. Just keep showing up. It was good just knowing that he was there. Sometimes just being in his presence, maybe you don't hear a thing in your, you, you don't perceive a thing. You don't have like where you have a tangible thought. Oh, God said that. But his presence is his voice. His presence is teaching you whether you know it or not. You are learning him by just being with him, even if there's, you don't feel like there's anything said. You're learning what it looks like to just be with him. Okay? I just thought about this. It's kind of like, you know, you, you have a newborn baby, and they don't comprehend what you're telling them. But the first thing that they begin to really recognize is your face. They begin to know, oh, they're in a good mood. They're maybe not thinking that, but they're learning. They're learning the expression of the faith, the face, the tone of the voice, right? And sometimes in the, with the Lord, it's like we're not understanding maybe what he's the, saying, but you by just being with him, it's like, I'm getting it. I'm learning something, right? You begin to learn like, oh, God's actually good. I used to think that he was mad, but now I realize he's actually in a good mood. He's joy and he's peace. And I didn't hear him say it, but it was just being with him, I could tell. I could tell, I learned that about him, right? And so, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. So it's like, hey, it comes, let me see what the unseen says. Let me see what the Lord says. Well, what do you say about that? You know, there's always something. I, I found this, is that you could, you could be worrying about one thing and it could be the biggest thing in your life. And then you get past it, you think like, oh, in your mind, you're like, if I could just, if this could just happen, if I could just get past this, then everything in life would just be, and then you get past it and it works out. And then there's like 10 other things on the other side waiting for you, right? There's always something to worry about because it's what the scene gives you. It's always going to be there. It's why we got to learn to seek him. So I'm going to start landing this plane really quick. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. We started, in, we started here in verse 6, talking about that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He rewards you with his self. But this is how I want to wrap this up, is starting in Hebrews 11 verse 1. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation, which I love. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to pr prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. Everything seen was made by his unseen words. Faith, let's see, um, uh, he spoke in the invisible realm. Listen to this. He spoke and in the invisible realm gave birth 
to all that is seen. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. So you think about Cain and Abel. Abel had just tapped into the unseen. That's why he brought a better offering. He knew that it was more than what, it was more than just bringing an offering. It was about honoring God. He had tapped into the unseen. He acknowledged God. Your faith is what causes you to acknowledge God. Your faith is acknowledging him. I'm believing in the unseen. I'm leaning into it. I've tapped into it. By faith, by his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. Faith translated Enoch from this life and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God, meaning this, he had faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's what the next verse says and where we started. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real, and he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. Today, the Lord wants to teach you how to operate in faith, to walk by faith and not by sight, where you realize just because it's seen doesn't mean it's the highest reality. Okay? And so what we are seeking constantly, we have to be a people who don't get distracted and dismayed by the seen world around us, by people's opinions, by their thoughts, by all the things happening. We have to be a people who are saying, Lord, you're real and you're good and you're kind. And if your word spoke everything I see into existence, what is your word wanting to speak into the earth right now? Because in this day, as the body of Christ, he is looking for those who he can partner with, with his word. His word is like a seed and you are like the ground. And he, he's looking for good soil to put his word in so that it can birth something. So that is how he was moving and operating in the world today is through your life. It is when we begin to become good soil by, by being those who seek him and have positioned ourselves to say, you know what, Lord, I'm allowing you to pull up all the, the rocky stuff, all the hard ground. I'm allowing your love and your goodness, your presence to till that up. Why? So that I can be a receptor of the unseen. So I can be someone who knows how to receive the seed of your word so that it can bear fruit in my life and I can impart that to the world around me. So he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The seeking tills up the ground, the reward is planted on in that ground, and then you get to release that in the earth. Amen? Why don't you stand this morning? Did we learn something today? The Lord spoke to us, amen. Um, in just a second, Pastor Nick's gonna come and close this out, but Maybe Abby, if you could come play the piano so we can feel spiritual in here. Abby's. But hey, look, let's do this. Brian, there you go.
Um, yeah, hey, look, let's come before the Lord. I want us to, um, I want us, I, I want you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to commit to seeking you. I want to be a person who knows how to seek you. I want, it's, maybe for you, you say, I have no idea what that looks like. This morning, humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to teach me how to seek you. Right? Maybe start with just waking up, opening the Bible, not just trying to read, but saying, Holy Spirit, you're for me. You're a gift from the Father. and I receive you and I need you to lead me. I need you to lead me to Jesus. I need you to reveal to me the heart of God. If you go and read in 1 Corinthians chapter two, Paul begins to talk about that. It's the Lord's desire to share with you his heart, his, the mysteries of his heart. And it is the spirit of God that teaches you those mysteries. He illuminates them. He shows them to you. He shows you the unseen. And so I wanna encourage you to say, go before him and invite him into every area of your life. Invite him into, in the day-to-day. -day. Invite him into your family, into your job, into the good places in your life, maybe the places where you say it's messed up. And he wants to come and he wants to iron it all out. He wants to come and lead you in all of it. He's, but I believe this morning where we start is determining in our heart that we're gonna be a people that seek him. It's a big reason why in January we are saying that this is a house of prayer. It's because we are making a place where we can come and say, Lord, we're coming to seek you. We're putting an emphasis on the unseen. So I'm asking you as church body, as the body of Christ to say, Lord, I wanna be who I was made to be. I wanna be who you intended for me to be, where I'm at my very best because I'm completely yours being completely led by you. So come on, let's come before him. Jesus, this morning, we just thank you for being with us. Thank you for your presence and your goodness. I just thank you, Lord, that you are canceling worry and fear as we turn to you in humility and say, lead us. So this morning, we commit to being a people that diligently seek you. When we feel like it, when we don't feel like it, make us those who are diligent in seeking your voice, your opinion, your righteousness, your ways. Lord, that we would value, value you above everything else. Everything that's good comes from you. Everything that's not good is just absent from you. So today we just say yes in our hearts to you. Come on, just tell them this morning, say yes. Here's my yes, Lord. I commit to being one who seeks you. Lord, I bless your people this morning. I bless you with peace. I bless you with joy. I bless you with a heart that is hungry for more of him. Lord, we bless your people. We bless their coming and their going. I thank you, Lord, that you are tilling up the ground of their hearts to begin to receive every word that you speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.